Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. Westside's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy and thanks for tuning in. Um, I've labored a lot on what, what do you do? What do you preach like when you, when you know it's like your last sermon? Um, and I, I thought, you know, we've been going through the book of Mark. I think probably we're going to be taking just a few weeks off in the book of Mark um, uh, as, we're, as we're ramping up to, to Easter and a couple guest speakers over the next couple weeks. But um, um, I, I thought I could just continue on like business as usual, you know, and kind of just go do the next little section of Mark. But I, I thought, I don't know, I, I just feel like if, if, if it's my last time, and you know, what, what, what would I preach? And I, and I wrestled with that a lot um, because part of it is I, I feel like that there's some pressure, like this has got to be the best sermon I ever preached. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and I actually, I looked into the archives because I know I, 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 I feel that way a lot of Sundays, like I, I want it to be good. But um, I remember I found my first sermon that I did at Westside all those years ago. And, uh, you know, and I felt the same way. It's like, you know, your first sermon at a church, it's like, this one better be a zinger, you know, like they better be glad that, you know, they picked me. And um, so, you know, I, I, there's this pressure, you know, to like, ah, uh, so I, you know, I, I don't even know if this is going to be a good sermon, guys. I'm just letting you know. I was telling this to a group of people earlier. We had a, we had a Easter planning meeting earlier and Dan Stecker was like, bro, you should just preach like the worst sermon you've ever preached. <laughs> Because then people will be like, people will be like, oh, like, uh, we're going to, you know, we're not going to miss that guy like that much, you know. Um, So uh, I was, uh, and I've been having lots of conversations with people just, you know, as we've been saying, you know, doing some goodbyes. By the way, we don't have to, this isn't like the goodbye Sunday. Next Sunday will be a big party. Just invite all of you guys to come. Really looking forward to that. I have no idea what's planned because they haven't even told me. So, um, so it'll be a surprise for all of us, but um, I've been kind of having some meetings with people and, and uh, I, was, I was having coffee with my friend Stan Brown. I don't know if Stan is here today, but um, uh, I, was, I was hanging out with Stan and I, he was like, how you feeling, Brooks? How you feeling about this transition? And I said, I said Stan, I mean, it's, it's surreal. Um, I, I said, honestly, I feel a little bit like I'm leaving lots of people hanging. Like, I feel like I'm leaving people hanging. And Stan is so wise. And Stan was like, well, you know, I think the Apostle Paul left lots of people hanging, like all the time. <laughs> and he wasn't comparing me to the Apostle Paul. But, but um, I was like, you know what? That's actually really true. You know, Paul um, would plant churches and he would go from one church to the next church to the next church. And uh, I, maybe Paul felt the same way. You know, he's, he's just like leaving people hanging. He's like, okay, you guys got it. You know, I'm like, I'm moving on. And that got me thinking about just kind of what I wanted to share tonight. And um, at Westside, we, we always preach from the Bible. We never, I never come up here and just like, here's like five thoughts I have on, you know, on a Christian song I heard last week. You know, we just don't do that here. Uh, we always preach from the scripture. And so I, I wanted to preach from a scripture from Acts chapter 20, because it's one of these moments where Paul is saying goodbye to a group of people that he has led at the church of Ephesus. Now, I have to say a disclaimer here, because I'm going to read these words. Um, and these, I want you to know, these are Paul's words. These, are not, these aren't my words, okay? These are Paul's words, and they were written to a group of people in Ephesus. And so as I'm reading this, and I, I, was, I was like, man, how am I? 
it just feels a little awkward because I feel like as I'm doing this, it might make it seem like I'm, I'm like putting myself in the same place as Paul, all right? And I just want you to know, like I'm, we're not even close to that this, this afternoon, okay? I don't want to compare myself to the Apostle Paul at all, okay? But, but... This is a really interesting uh, passage of scripture where Paul, it's, it's, we, we do have some speeches recorded in the New Testament, some sermons that people gave. And this actually is the longest speech slash sermon that we, that we have that's written, to, um, that's written to Christians. Paul in this passage is writing to a group of leaders at the church of Ephesus. All the other different sort of sermons that we read in the New Testament, and there's, there's plenty, are usually given to an audience where there's a bunch of non-believers in the room and, or a mixture of believers and non-believers. And so we kind of get a good sense of how the early apostles spoke to audiences where people didn't believe in the message of the gospel. And, but this is the longest speech that we have recorded that's, that we know was just given to a group of believers. And so um, I feel like, I feel like there's, some, there's some things that we can pull out of this for what Paul is saying as he's saying goodbye that, um, that, that I, I just feel like would be, would be good for us tonight. And then I just kind of want to wrap it up with some of my own thoughts. So I'll read it to you. It's from Acts chapter 20. And Paul has spent some time, several years in Ephesus and he's just poured his life out. And you, you'll be able to hear when he, when he talks about just his time there. I mean, just how much these people mean to him. And, and uh, listen to what he says. It's just, you just hear his heart and it's so helpful. So this is Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 17. So from, uh, the, I'm reading from the, the uh, transliteration of the, of the scripture from the message. It's a version of the message. And here's how it reads. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus for the leaders of the congregation. And when they arrived, he said, you know that from day one of my arrival in Asia, I was with you totally, laying my life on the line, serving the master no matter what, putting up with no end of scheming by the Jews who wanted to do me in. I didn't skimp or trim in any way. Every truth and encouragement that could have, been made, uh, that could have made a difference to you, you got. I taught you out in public, I taught you in your homes, urging Jews and Greeks alike to a radical life change before God and an equally radically radical trust in our master Jesus. But there's another urgency before me now. I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. I've complete, I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. I do know that it won't be any picnic for the Holy Spirit has, has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. But, what, but that matters little. What matters most to me is to finish what God started. The job the Master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet know all about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. And so this is goodbye. You're not going to see me again, nor I you. You whom I have gone among for so long, proclaiming the good news of God's inaugurated kingdom. I've done my best for you, given you, uh, given you my all, held back nothing of God's will for you. Now it's up to you. Be on your toes, both for yourselves and your congregation of sheep. The Holy Spirit has put you in charge of these people, God's people they are, to guard and protect them. God himself thought that they were worth dying for. I know that as soon as I'm gone, vicious wolves are going to show up and rip into this flock. Men from your very own ranks, twisting words so as to seduce disciples into following them instead of following Jesus. 
So stay awake and keep on your guard. Remember those three years I kept at it with you, never letting up, pouring my heart out with you one after another. Now I'm turning you over to God, our marvelous God, whose gracious word can make you into what he wants you to be and give you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. I've never, as you well know, had any taste for wealth or fashion. With these bare hands, I took care of my own basic needs and those who worked with me. In everything I've done, I've demonstrated to you how necessary it is to work on behalf of the weak and not exploit them. You'll not, you'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering what our master said. You're far happier giving than getting. Then Paul went down on his knees, all of them kneeling with him, and they prayed. And then a river of tears, much clinging to Paul, not wanting to let him go. They knew they would never see him again. He had told them quite plainly, the pain cut deep. Then bravely, they walked him down to the ship. It's really dramatic. And uh, so just please listen to my disclaimer. Remember when I said that these are Paul's words. Um, uh, but you can tell. You can just tell how knit together their hearts are. You can tell how important this moment is for him and, and for the people there. And uh, just a couple observations from what I just read. Uh, first, and this is for all of us, I think, too. Paul encourages them to stay committed to the truth. You can just hear it in the words. I mean, he's saying, and there's going to be so many, there's going to be, there's going to be so many different ways and, and, and opportunities for us to, to drift away from the truth. You know, uh, whenever, when you were went to the, to the beach, when you were a kid, if you had this experience to go down to the beach and your, your mom or your dad, you know, they like, they put the, the, the beach towel and like the, the beach umbrella and they put it in the sand and you run down to the water and you start playing in the ocean and you're just having a blast and you play for like an hour. And then you look back and do, do, you, do you remember what, what happens here? You look back because you think it's going to be right there and it's not there. It's like the, the umbrella and the, the blanket, like your, your parents, the people that love you and are responsible for you. They're not there. The thing is, is because what, you don't know it, but when you get into the water in the ocean, it, like, it causes you to drift like a little bit down the beach. I remember this clearly. I remember when I was a kid, we would just play and play and look back and mom and dad's not there. And we grew up in like a real Pentecostal household. And so they taught us about the rapture. So I just thought the rapture had happened. You know, I'm like, no, God, you, I'm left behind, you know. Um, this is just kind of like how life works is it's really, really easy to drift from the truth. And, uh, and our culture gives us all sorts of ways and reasons to drift from the truth. Our culture will try to tell us that there isn't like an objective, like truth that's actually true. Truth, our, our culture says truth is whatever you want it to be. That's where our culture is, is right now. It wasn't always this way. There, in past centuries, you know, people kind of all agreed that there was some sort of an objective truth. And so it was our job to kind of like go and search out for that truth. But now in our culture today, it's a different narrative. The narrative is, is no, you can just live your own truth. You can just look inside and what, what's your truth? You should follow that. And so there's all sorts of ways and reasons for us to drift from the truth. The scripture also says in one of Paul's letters to another young leader in 2 Timothy, Paul says that what we will also do is we have a tendency also to surround ourselves by teachers who will teach us what our itching ears want to believe. 
And so not only will we believe lies, but we also put ourselves just, and this just happens just unbeknownst to us. It's kind of under the surface. We will put ourselves in situations where we're just listening to the voices of the people that want to tell us, that are telling us just what we want to hear so that we can just do whatever we want to do. It's just, the landscape is dangerous. And so in the middle of that, in the middle of that is a deep, deep well, a deep, deep well of truth. And you can hear Paul, he's saying, hey, don't drift, don't drift. Listen to my voice. Listen, listen to the voice of the master. Um, something happened uh, a couple of weeks ago in the gym, and, and um, um, I just thought it was, it was like a perfect illustration for, for, for this. I was, at the, I was at the gym. I was at, like, uh, I was at Planet Fitness right on, on, 11, uh, on West 11th. And I, I was listening to my, like, my earbuds. You know, they're like connected to my phone via, via Bluetooth. And I was on a treadmill and I had my phone there. I was listening to a podcast. And then I moved from the treadmill and I went to another part of the gym, uh, not, not, not very far away, pretty close by. And I was just doing some workout stuff over there. And I'm still listening to my podcast and I'm listening to my podcast, I'm working out. And then suddenly like my, the podcast starts to like uh, fade and it starts to get like, like crunchy and then it goes out and then it came back in and went out. And I'm like, oh, what's, what's wrong? There's something wrong with my phone. And I look around for my phone and my phone wasn't there. And I, it all kind of like was coming together in my head. I had left my phone at the treadmill, you know, but now, and, and so I was close enough away at that first part where, uh, where I could still hear my podcast. But now like there was an increasing distance between my phone and my earbuds, meaning my phone was like moving away from me. Meaning my phone was taken by someone. You get, you're, getting like, you're getting the picture of what's happening here. So I'm like, where's my phone? And I go back to the treadmill, not there. So in my, in my ears, I'm, here, I'm like, all right, I'm running around Planet Fitness. I'm trying to like get the best reception for my podcast because if I can find, oh, there it is. You know, I'm like, and it starts taking me towards the parking lot. So I head out into the parking lot and I'm still hearing my podcast out there and I see a dude walking and he's got something in his hand. And I'm like, hey, and I walk up and I'm like, ah, I think you got my phone. And it was definitely one of those like, oh, sorry, I didn't know, you know. I'm like, yeah, that's mine. He's like, oh, oh, totally not mine, you know, sorry. Now, it could have been an honest mistake, but I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, man, but thank God for those earbuds, right? That was awesome. And as that whole thing was happening and I got my phone back and I'm going back inside, um, I should share that story with you because, because um, you know, it's just one of those things in life where we uh, are trying to make decisions. You're trying to live your, live your life. And one of the things our culture says is follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Just do what your heart says. And as you've heard me say time and time again in the past, it's one of the worst pieces of advice you could ever give someone. Of course, there's intuition. Of course, like there's times where you follow your gut. I mean, we, we get all that. But listen, you know, as, as, as well as I do, our hearts are so deceptive. Our hearts just, we don't really know what we, what's best for us. And yet we worship a God who does know what's best for us. He loves you. So you can trust him. And so if you have the opportunity to listen to your heart or listen to our heavenly father, to our master who loves us, I just want to encourage it. This is what Paul is encouraging them. And it'd be the same way that I'd encourage all of us is, is listen to the master. You can trust him. He's worthy to be worshiped and he's worthy to be followed. Follow him. That's one of the first things Paul says. And then the next thing is Paul encourages them to stay committed to each other. 
Did you hear that part? I love that part where he says, um, he says, it's up to you. Be on your toes, both for yourselves and your congregation. The Holy Spirit has put you in charge of these people, God's holy people. And then later on down, he says this. He says, um, he's going he's gonna to give you everything you possibly need in this community of holy friends. I love that phrase, which is holy friends. Paul says, stay committed to one another. Um, stay committed, staying committed to one another is hard. Uh, sometimes it's easy. Um, in fact, if you could just... It's been a habit now of many people, certainly through the pandemic, to just kind of go and create their, like, their own little church and for kind of just like, hey, we don't like these environments anymore. I'm just gonna go create my own little church. And there's nothing wrong with like little, little home churches. I'm not saying that at all. But, but the problem though with that is then you're just picking just all the people that you like and all the people that agree with you and all the people that, that have the same opinions as you. And you know that kind of community, that's even though there's still hard things about that, that's, still, that's pretty easy. When it says be committed to one another, it's, it's talking about one of these environments where we're all very different here. We've got different views on some things. Our goal always is that we're, we're committed to the, the main things, that we've got a closed hand with, with all the important parts of what we believe. Jesus Christ is king and he died on the cross and he rose again. But there's also some open-handed things that, that we, can, we can have opinions on and, and disagree on and have robust conversation around it. And that's hard. That's hard to love each other even in the midst of disagreeing with one another. But Paul, Paul would encourage us, and I want to encourage you, that one of the beautiful things that the church has to offer the world, listen to me, one of the most beautiful things that the church has to offer the world is a community of people who are choosing to love each other and forgive one another and pursue one another, even when it's hard, even when it's inconvenient. If we can't do that, then I don't know how we can communicate to the world that we have a God who did everything in his power to be reconciled to us. We've got to be able to demonstrate that. Paul's saying, hey, be committed to one another. And then Paul encourages them to live generous lives. Just encourage them to live generously. Um, he says, he says if, if you're going to take anything away from my speech, remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give, or to, to, to give than to receive. And you can see that with Paul's life, right? I mean, he, could just, he, was just, he just gave and gave and gave. And there's just something about living that way that is, that is different from, like I said, it, it's very, it's very uh, countercultural to the rest of of our, of our world. Our world says, no, I mean, man, you gotta, gotta take what's yours. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, what comes to you belongs to you. But the Christ follower just looks at everything differently. The Christ follower looks at everything and says, Lord, all of this is yours. I'm just a steward. And so Lord, I just, I give this back to you. I can be generous with my life. And Paul, it seems, was very generous with his life towards the, this church in Ephesus and these people there. And they, that's why the tears were there, you know? That's why they cried at the end because Paul just lived that way. And I think we all know that man, if we can, we can live that way, if you can live that way in your family, if you can live that way in your job, just to live generously, whatever that looks like, Jesus is calling us to that. Lastly, just observation uh, is this, is one person's faithfulness can impact many others. One person's faithfulness can impact many others. Paul faith, Paul's faithfulness impacted not just the people in Ephesus, but like we're still talking about it today. It's pretty incredible. Um, now, when I say one person's faithfulness can impact many others, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about myself right now. Um, 
your faithfulness to follow Jesus has the impact to transform so many lives, maybe even tons of lives that you have, you have never met yet. I say this sometimes to our team of people where we pray before service, but, um, and actually when I look back at that first sermon that I, that I preached at Westside, I told this story, very first sermon. I told the story about my great grandpa who was living in the San Francisco area, I think or maybe the LA area. I can't remember where he was living, maybe LA. And um, he decided that he wanted, he wanted his booze more than he wanted his family. And so he left his family and his kids and his wife and he headed down to San Diego and he was just living on the streets in San Diego. And as the story goes, one night he hears a bell ringing. It was a, it was a local church and he decided kind of in his drunken stupor that he would go to that church. Funny thing is he goes into the church and like nobody greeted him. It wasn't a great experience. You'd think that like a big altar call would happen and you know, like the, his life gets turned around. No, he had a horrible experience at the church that he went into. But later that night, he found a hotel room. He found a Bible in the drawer. And that night he got on his knees. He opened up the scriptures. Just something happened in his heart. Something happened, something changed. He just decided, this isn't who I am. This isn't who I want to be. Jesus, transform me, make me new. And made his way back to his home. Came back to his wife, came back to his kids. His name was Paul Myers, and he went on to have a very, very important uh, Christian radio broadcasting career. And I tell that story just because I like to think sometimes if Paul hadn't had that moment, would I even be here? Like, it's like a one moment in his life that has transformed generations of people. And now I'm, now, now here I am, and I'm just trying to love my kids and train them to, to, to follow Jesus and love Jesus. I don't even know where, where that heads. I mean, when you start to think about it, it's like you, you start to, it, it becomes a little bit crazy that your life, like your decisions don't just affect you. Oh, it's way bigger than you. Like your choices, your life, like you, you have the power in your, in your life to undo like generations of nastiness and ugliness and start something brand new in the future, in the future uh, generations to come. You, us in our time right now, we just decisions to follow Jesus and to trust him and to just surrender has the power to transform your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids. And who knows how many thousands upon 10,000s upon hundred thousands of people are impacted. That's pretty wild. Like on one hand, that just kind of could like seem like a lot of pressure, right? It's like, wow, like what I do really matters to thousands of people that I haven't met yet. But on the other hand, what a beautiful thing. Jesus says that when you follow him, you get a new heart, you're made new. And not only do you get made new, you have the potential to pass that on to generation after generation after generation. And here we are still talking about this guy right here and his faithfulness and the people that follow Jesus. Um, okay, that was part one of sermon. Here's part two, all right? This, you get t uh, two for the price of one, all right? 
uh, I, I just thought, I can't, I, there's just, you know, Paul got to say the things that he wanted to say to his church, so here's some things that I want to say to our church, okay? Um, so here you go. There's a couple things. First is we really do take Jesus seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. I love that that's one of, one of the things that you've probably heard most just in the life of our church. And I, I'm proud that we're, we've been a church that's just leaned into that. If you don't like playing a silly game on a Sunday morning during a church service, then you're probably not going to like Westside. You better move on, you know, because we're all right playing silly games. Um, I got to tell this story. I got permission to tell the story, by the way. Um, one of my favorite stories is, um, is Dave and Michelle Cruz were walking into church when we were at Prairie Mountain. And, uh, and they're walking into church and Dave said something like something smart alecky to, uh, to Michelle. And Michelle was like, Michelle was like, you're being an ass right now. Don't be an ass. And Dave was like, that's not a church. You're not allowed to say that word at church. You know, it's not a church word. So they walk into church that Sunday. Just so happens that was the Sunday where I was preaching about, about, um, 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 uh, sorry, Samson. Sorry, I was preaching about Samson and I said the word ass about 20 times in the sermon that Sunday. I was just like letting it fly, right? Because it's in the story. So it's like the one chance that when I preach, I can say, use the word over and over again. And like the whole service, just Michelle was just like, you know, like, yeah, see that? I love it. Uh, we don't we take ourselves too seriously, but we take Jesus really seriously. Next is this. Remember this, guys. Resist the gravitational pull to make this church a church for, just for church people. Resist the gravitational pull. There is a gravitational pull of every church to make the church be just for church people. It just, it just happens. It's nobody's fault. It's just the more you come and the more that we're here, the more you kind of know where to you know, what songs we're going to sing, where to take the kids and where to park. You just kind of know all the details. And the longer you're here, the more opinions you have about like, oh, it should be like this or it should be like this. It's okay to have opinions, by the way. But the point is, is over time, over time, what happens is churches become perfectly suited for insiders. And we forget that the church exists to reach outsiders. And that's a big problem because our mission our mission is to reach those that haven't heard about Jesus. And so resist the gravitational pull. And we've just tried to do this over the years, just trying to create a space where no matter who you are, no matter what step you're on, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, that you can come and you're not going to be spoken down to. You're not going to, we're not going to toss out just like Bible references that you don't know anything about. Like we're just going to, we're just going to start where exactly where people are at because we wanna create an environment where you feel comfortable bringing a friend who doesn't know anything about this because we believe that first steps, those first steps for people really, really are important. And I just want always, I want Westside to always be doing that. And the next point is this, is the way that we do that is you've heard me say this over, over time too, is we wanna be reassuringly, reassuringly sim, uh, similar but surprisingly different. That should be, I feel like, one of the best evangelism strategies that we have at our disposal. We want to be reassuringly similar, meaning that you can't get up close next to someone that doesn't know about Jesus if they don't want to get up next close to you. So don't be weird is, like, really the point. Um, like, like, you got to you live your life in the way that Jesus lived his life. Jesus was with people. And the people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. Can I say that again? The people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. That's tremendous. How did Jesus do that? He was just, he was reassuringly similar and yet, and yet, 
You get in close enough and Jesus is oh, so different. And our evangelism strategy should be let's, let's be with people, let's come in close to people and then when, as people get close, they get to see. And they get to see how, you, how we treat people. They get to see how we handle our finances. How, how we handle our finances. They get to see how we, how, we, how we live our lives. And that becomes a powerful witness to our world. Next is this. I'm really proud of how we preach the Bible here. I'm proud of how we've preached the Bible here. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know everything about the Bible. In fact, there's plenty of you that maybe know some more Bible than me. But I feel like what I wanted to demonstrate as just a, a who we want to be as people is just we want to be students. We want to be learners. We want to come to the scriptures humbly. Lord, what do you want to teach us? I'm not an expert here. I'm, I, want to be a, I want to be a follower of you. Lord, would you let these words penetrate my heart no matter how long I've been following you, no matter how much Bible I have memorized, no matter how much of an expert I am, no matter how much... Lord, I want to be humble when it comes to the scriptures. And so I'm just really proud of how we've, how we've just always always stuck close to God's words in scripture all these years. Um, next is, um, I want you to know that God provides faithfully for our church through your faithful and consistent giving. God provides for our church through your faithful and consistent giving. I think one of the most biggest misconceptions that I've encountered over the years is just the Understanding church finances is, is like just people don't quite know how it happens. I was on an airplane one time and I told a guy, sometimes I don't tell the pe person on the airplane I'm a pastor, you know, because then it, it's either going to it's either going to shut down the conversation really quick for the whole flight, you know, or, you know, I don't know. It, sometimes I don't say, but this particular guy said I was a pastor and he was like, wow. He goes, so do you invoice people like after they leave, like do you mail it to their house? Like, how do you pay for stuff there? And I was like, no, people just they just give whatever they want to give, whoever wants to give. And he was like, no, that's not how it works. You're not going to be able to pay for anything like that way. And I'm like, no, that's, this is how it works. Because as Christ followers, like we just, we just see our money differently. Um, I was talking to one of my students at New Hope Christian College, and he was asking about the finances too. And I was explaining how it worked. And he was like, he was like what? Like, I thought, the, I thought the city of Eugene helped like pay for like the churches. Like, don't you get like fundage, you know, from the government or, you know, and I was like, no, that's not how it works. No, not at all. Um, sometimes people think like, like, am I just like when he, when they're not talking about money, am I just like paying that person to like preach a sermon on Sundays? Like, doesn't that take like three hours to, to like, does he just work three hours on a Sunday? You know, sometimes people are wondering about that. Um, sometimes people think that like when you give on Sundays that we just go into the back and kind of like divvy up like, hey, did, you, did Brooks do a good job this week? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll slide him this much, you know, and like, you know, this person. No, it, like we really do have like a budget and we've got plans and, and uh, sometimes there's just misconceptions as far as, far as like, how, how does like, how does all this happen? How are we able to have a staff and how are we able to have space and how are we able to have ministry budgets? And here's how it happens. It happens because people like you say, you know what, I believe in this church. I'm a part of this place. And so, and, and everything that God gives me, I wanna be a good steward of it. And this church matters to me and so I'm gonna give. And so that's how things happen at our church is people faithfully and consistently give. And so um, I just thought you should know that. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. It is not lost on me how, how, how big of a deal that is. 
Christy and I, we, everything we get, everything we, we, we make, we, we give back to the, we, we, we give a percentage back to the church. It's just what we do. And I see so many other people doing that. And, and it's, it's a humbling, humbling, humbling thing. And I'm really, really grateful. Um, next is, I'm so proud of how we adjusted during COVID. I'm really proud of how we adjusted. That was brutal. That was just so wild. Everything online, making videos every week. Um, and then just the upheaval and the changing time and changing place. And then all the amazing folks from North Eugene Faith Center just making that transition in a time where it was just so hard to make friends and be connected. And um, we tried all sorts of things. And some of, it, some of it was pretty cool. Like some of it were like, hey, that, was, that worked out really cool. And then other stuff was like, well, let's not try that again. You know, that didn't work out so great. But we just, we just adjusted and we were scrappy. And uh, I'm just really proud. We didn't do everything perfect, but um, nobody knew quite what to do. And uh, as I just think back as to all the things we did together during COVID and just trying to make it through that, I'm really proud of how we adjusted. Thank you. Thank you for adjusting. Thank you for your grace. Um, thank you. Uh, next is our church council is awesome. Our church council is awesome. Um, I try to find pictures of all of them, so you put them on, but our, our church council, it's our, it's our financial council we meet every month. We just make sure, all, we make sure whatever's coming in, just making plans and budget. And, and uh, you know, like we just pray, Lord, just make us, just give us great wisdom here to just handle everything that everybody gives. And I'd love to, you know, I'd bring them all up here. So, you know, there's, there's seven people on the council right now. And I, I just want you to know our church council is awesome. Just smart, wonderful people who just every month just look at those finances and make sure that we're making really, really good decisions for now and for the future. Um, so Westside right now, just st staring into just these next months, is just, it's, a, it's a wild time, you know? Like, how are the finances gonna go and what's gonna happen next? And then just our church council is just so wise, so great. Um, okay, I, I, I wasn't gonna do this, but I'm just, if you're on the church council here in the room, can you stand up? I know it's so awkward. I wasn't gonna do this, but just do it because I just want people to know who you are. Yeah, there's Sarah and Steve, Trevor and Kyle and Chris in the back. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Next is our staff wakes up every day thinking about how to make our church better. They just do, they're just like working so hard. And as I'm talking about the staff, I just wanna give my thanks to, to the staff and to everybody who's serving um, in that capacity. Um, but I just wanna remind you of what a church staff is for. A church staff is not supposed to be, hey, let's pay these people to be the professional Christians to do the church work for us, you know? That's not how it's supposed to work. If that's, if that's the viewpoint, then we're never going to be able to reach people like God's commanded us to reach people. We get our cue from the book of Ephesians where Paul says, hey, he tells, hey, you leaders, equip God's people for acts of service, meaning that it's the, it's the church leadership's job to release people, to release people to be on the field, just cheering, equipping so that we can all go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus so that we can go out and be the ministers. So um, first, I wanna thank um, just uh, this, the staff, so, so grateful. Um, next is this, the quickest, most surefire way to make friends and feel connected to your church is to be on a team. You just gotta know this, I believe this. 
The, the best and most surefire way to make friends and feel connected to your church is to be on a team. I would say this, I really believe this, for the most part, if you're feeling disconnected from your church, then it's because you're probably not on a team. If you're feeling disconnected, there's other reasons to feel disconnected, but I would say probably it's because you're not on a team. So I just wanted to take this opportunity to say, everybody who's serving on a team, you're, you're like rock stars. So, so grateful for you, for everything that you do, for all the, like there's, there's people loving our kids right now. There's, there's people, uh, I mean, doing things that you're probably never gonna know behind the scenes, but it helps everything work, um, work and function. And I'm just so grateful for people on teams. And if you're feeling disconnected, get on a team. Get on a team. It's the best way to make friends. It's the best way to get connected to your church. Next is this. Uh, I trust our leaders in Foursquare and I trust the process. So whatever happens next with whoever's going to pastor the church next, and next, I want you to know I'm proud to be a part of the Foursquare denomination. Some of you are like, I haven't even heard about, we're a part of a denomination? Yes. We probably don't talk about it as much as we should. Yes, we're uh, a part of the Foursquare movement of churches. And uh, guys, I, I know so many of the leaders in Foursquare, and I'm proud to be called Foursquare. Um, I love who we get to be as a family and what we're doing globally. Um, and I also am grateful for the leadership that we have over us. Um, our just, and, I, and I believe in the process. I believe in the process of our district supervisor working with our church council, just talking about what Westside needs and what is gonna propel us into the future. So um, I'm just, I just believe in the process. And I, you've heard me say this a bunch of times, but I just know that the best is yet to come. I just really believe that. Here's uh, just a couple more. Um, next is we've made some really great friends. The Rices have made some really, really great friends. I know a lot of pastors. Not a lot of them have friends. It's one of the reasons why pastors burn out quickly. Sometimes when you're a pastor, you feel like you can't be vulnerable because you've got to be like the super Christian. And so therefore you can't share anything that might be hard in your life. And so therefore many pastors don't. And guess what true friendship requires from people? Vulnerability. It's the only way you get there. And so therefore many pastors don't have friends and they're dying on the inside. And we've made some really great friends here. And I'm so, so grateful. Some really, really great friends. Next, our kids have been loved well here. Our kids have been loved really well here. They love being a part of our church. And I couldn't, have, I couldn't ask for anything better. Um, as a parent, those of you parents out there, you know, you're, you're desperate for your kids to, to love church, want to be a part of things. And man, my kids have loved it here. And I just, I, that's because of so many of your investment into the life of my kids. And so I'm eternally, eternally grateful for that. Next is my wife doesn't get enough credit. Amen. You're here. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm able to do so many of the things that I'm able to do because my wife is doing all the things that, that, sh she's, that she's doing for our family and loving our, fam our kids so well and loving, I mean, and just building the relationships that she's built with you and um, next week, you know, when we say goodbye, I'll have a couple last words and Christy, I'll have a couple last words. But um, anyways, I just, 
Christy, you don't get enough credit. Grateful for you and how you've helped, helped lead me. Some of my best sermon ideas are from her, guys. Honestly, like, just, just so you know. She'll be like, why don't you talk about this? I'll be like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm gonna write that down. Um, second to last, almost done. Uh, if, uh, if I wasn't the pastor and if we weren't moving, I would, I would make Westside my church. Um, so, you know, whenever I meet somebody who works at a restaurant, I, I met somebody from, uh, that worked at Olive Garden a couple weeks ago. And one of my first questions that I asked him is, I was like, hey, you work at Olive Garden. Would, would you eat there? Do you eat there? Right, that's an important question because they know how the back of the kitchen works, right? They know what's going on back there. And, uh, you know, I won't, I won't, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you what they said. You have to find your own person that works at Olive Garden, okay? <laughs> but, but um, I just want you to know that after being here and just knowing, like, all the different leaders, all the volunteers, all the people leading in all the different ways and areas, and just, I know so many of you out there, I just, I, I, know, I know what's in the sausage, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, I know what's happening in the back of the kitchen, and uh, I absolutely would make this my church. It's just filled with some of the best people and uh, some of the most unpretentious, we just want to follow Jesus to the end kind of people. just wanted you guys to know that from me. Last, and band, you guys can come back up because we're just going to respond and take communion. Um, last is, it's, it's been an honor, just an honor. Um, I came to this church not ever seeing your pastoring a church before. I was a youth pastor, and then I was like a young adult, you know, like a young adults pastor and a small groups pastor at, at, a, at a larger church up in Seattle. But I was never like the person in charge. And uh, I showed up, and I was super nervous. Are these people going to eat me alive? Like, am I cut out for this? Is this going to go okay? And um, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't think of a better place. For, uh, for us to land, for us to be, for us to call home. Um, it truly has been an honor. Um, thank you for letting us into your lives. Sorry, I'm, I'm edging into what I wanna say next week. Um, we'll just have a few minutes to say our last sort of things next week, but I just, tonight I just wanted to say, I figure Paul got a chance to do it his way, so I was gonna do it my way. Um, I love you, thank you. Father, this is all about you. Lord, our lives are different because you love us. It's because you have done everything required to come down and intersect our lives and to make everything new. And so, Lord, we just give you all the glory and all the praise. We worship you. We don't worship any sort of like church structure or, or, or uh, you know, we, we don't, like those things are all just like things that are supposed to help the mission that you've given us take place. And it's because you've empowered us with your Holy Spirit that we are able to be your hands and feet. We're able to be ministers in whatever context we're in. And so I just pray over West Side and I just pray that we would be followers of you. We wouldn't just be church attenders. We would be Christ followers. We would be disciples. We would be humble. We would be people who are always learning and growing and repenting and asking for forgiveness and extending forgiveness to one another, reconciling with one another because you reconciled with us. So Lord, I pray that we would be that kind of people always, 
We could be a witness to the world. We could be a witness to Eugene. Thank you, Lord. We worship you and we respond to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.